Welcome to Clinically Impressed, the show where we dive deep into the world of social work, mental health, and everything in between. We are your hosts, Rebecca and Ashley, and we will explore various social work topics with the use of insight, guests, and lots of curse words. I'm thrilled to have you join the chaos coordinators today. I'm Ashley, MSW grad, clinical therapist, and formally did time in the CPF trenches. And I'm Rebecca, LCSW, clinical therapist, doctoral student, and also served some time for CPS. Before we jump into today's topic, make sure you're subscribed to our podcast so you never miss out on the newest episodes. And if you enjoy what you hear, leave us a good review. If you don't, then don't. Be f- real. And let's get started on today's topic. Welcome back, Clinties, to season one, episode six, six. where we're going to dive into, I don't know, some, some cool sh- stuff. Some very cool stuff, actually. Why <laughs> you say you don't know? You know. It's some very cool stuff. We do have a great topic for today. Uh, let's get into it after we talk about the trendy things. Trendy things. Love it. Tre- trendy things. Well, okay. So this will drop after Halloween, mm-hmm. but the trendy thing, TikTok, Halloween costumes. I'm obsessed. Oh my god! What I specifically am referencing. Did you ever watch Mean Girls? Yes. Obviously mm-hmm. iconic, right? You know the Lindsay Lohan. In the real world, Hollywood Halloween is when kids dress up. I can't even say it. it's so funny. And it goes, but in girl world, Halloween is one day a year where a girl can dress up like a total slut and no other girls can say anything. My favorite thing is all over TikTok. It's that sound, but it's girls like, let me give some examples. Yesterday. I saw the cutest little best friend duo, mm-hmm. Mike McDaniel and Coach Prime. Like full, like I think my, the, okay. g- the girl dresses Mike McDaniel had the face speared. Like so obviously it's the opposite mm-hmm. of the sound and it's just being hilarious. Vector from Despicable Me. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, with the belly and they're like thrusting yep. everywhere. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Um, This one didn't have as many likes as I would have wanted to see on it but i thought it was fantastic were you one of them i wish no (laughs) um baddie did you ever watch fern gully yes yeah oh my my gosh like (laughs) oh my gosh it was and she had like face paint and like the ears and the music but oh that whole hilarious song oh r.i.p robin williams but and then i also saw a bunch of grapes like not like a bunch, like several, but like a bunch with the balloons. Like a bunch of a grapes. purple grapes. They're called That's a bunch, really right? Creative. I feel like it's- yeah. So a bunch of grapes was a good one. Oh, I saw one I wasn't ready for. <laughs> a girl full dress is a pearl box of tampons. She was like a tampon mm. in the box, but and I'm almost positive it was the boyfriend behind her as she's like walking into the house. Bloody pad. Oh, oh, I wasn't ready, but it was amazing. If you want to win what? a Halloween costume contest, there it is, boy. There it is. Props to that, dude, because, I mean, we still live in a world where the commercials have blue liquid. So for him to just full commit to that. Bravo. Bravo. Love it. That's it's giving brave, my wife though. energy. Yeah, it's fantastic. I uh, think he doesn't and- like to dress up like that. He, no? he will occasionally dress up. Like last year he was, we did Disney characters and I was Iago from 
Aladdin. The parrot? <laughs> yeah. No, Aladdin, Lion King. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, it was the parrot. The little red parrot. Oh, yeah. Well, you said Lion King, so I got confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Iago. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And he had – um, oh, my gosh, I forgot what he was. But he, he like, hand-painted his whole entire costume and, like, he had a trench Aww. coat. And he was from – um. He was from the rescuers down under where he had that uh, little platypus, not even a platypus, but like a salamander. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I'll have to get back to you on that. But he was pretty interesting. Sal- rescuer, first of all, I don't love you remember rescuers, rescuers down-, down under. Who yes. was the guy that hunted? Oh, oh, he had oh my the- God. And he was always mad because what was that lizard? It wasn't a sal- salamander. <laughs> what was she? She had a she, funny girly name too. What was her name? And she was she always, was always like, trying to steal the eggs. Yeah, exactly. She always like had crazy eyes. And Joanna. Had, yes, Joanna the iguana. Are these Joanna eggs? <laughs> no. <laughs> and then she does that one. She's like hide exactly. the eggs. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. The yeah. best. Yeah. That was fantastic. I love that. Um, one of the cutest because I have to give a shout out to my best friend's sister. Uh, mm-hmm. Her TikTok is underscore Joy Ashley, but she made me laugh so much because she does it to the same sound uh-huh. and I ha- she looks like she's a lizard it's like orange and she's like a lizard thing like you wear them full pajama like hood and you're okay. in like a little costume and she's twerking amazing amazing oh. video but she's a charmander I don't know what that is I had to look into it it's from Pokemon yep Charmander? I, char- oh, so my bad. Is it Charmander? Oh, oh shit. Gosh. I know someone who's going to be highly disappointed in you when they hear this. I missed it, man. I was, you know what? Uh, there, here's some about me that not that many people know, and the whole world's about to know it. I was homeschooled up until sixth Ooh, grade. And sixth grade, it. I fucking hate when people say that. God. Sixth grade is when. I went to real school, and that's and I sat next to this kid in sixth grade named Basil. Oh, okay. I think I think his actual name was Basil, but I would always call him Basil. Is which he is cool. Italian? I was in sixth grade. I have absolutely zero idea. Um, I don't even remember what he looks like, but I remember he was obsessed with Pokemon, and I didn't know what Pokemon mm-hmm. was, and he did not like me, and it was not cool to sit next to him because he just thought I was a big loser because I didn't know what Pokemon was. So honestly, offensive. triggered. Okay, yeah. offensive. Charmander, Basil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I remember why I called him Basil. <laughs> the Great Mouse Detective. That little oh. girl. Yeah. And she goes Basil. Yeah, that's why I always called him that. <laughs> and he probably, you know what? I could see why he would hate that. But now How- I can't remember if his name was Basil or Basil. But I would call him Basil. So now I don't know what his name was. Either way, and maybe it wasn't that at all. You just made that up. You know what? That's his name in my mind. That's who he is for me. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's get into the episode. Go ahead. Okay. Today, we're going to talk about imposter syndrome. Yes. And this is a request, correct? A request from one of our trusted fans that would love us to talk about imposter syndrome. It's my best friend, isn't it? Yeah, it's your best friend. There's a plug. Okay. There's a plug for her. She's actually quite amazing. Yes. Lindsay. Um, Lindsay, there you go. She is not an imposter, but but a lot we of us actually, struggle with it. We talked about it. this a lot. We've talked about it a lot for sure. Mm. Just me and her on like a personal level. So I love that she suggested this. And you know what? I actually have never even heard of the term until I met you. And you would tell me like, not that you're an imposter, Bitch. but like <laughs> you would tell me like, man, I have serious imposter syndrome. I remember being at the office, and I'm like, I don't even know what that means actually. So I looked it up. That's so cute. Yeah. 
And like, I think a lot of us struggle with it. Do you want to tell, tell us what it means? Yeah. Um, I mean, it just basically means you think you ain't shit is what it really means. But there's like a whole specific definition. Let's, let me read it because yes. I'm looking at the notes. A behavioral health phenomenon described as self-doubt of intellect, skills, or accomplishments among high-achieving individuals, feelings of being a fraud or phony. So I looked into it a little bit because imposter syndrome, at least on my FYP, was big like a year ago, I think. And mm. for how I – you know, what's in my algorithm, it was a lot of women, a lot of, a lot of girlies talking about how they feel it. And actually, after I looked into it, it is mostly the girlies or marginalized mm. groups, that definition of people who often feel imposter syndrome. Uh, so it's obviously not the white men, the white straight men feeling that imposter syndrome. It's the rest of us because that's everyone else. If it's women yeah. or marginalized groups, you mean the majority of the world. Oh, got it. <laughs> do you think that like, why do you think it is that women feel it the most? Do you think that's more of a self-esteem issue? Um, well, I can mainly speak for American women because I live in America. Um, I would say that has a lot to do with just how the world is set up. We do live in a man's world. And I mean, shit, we weren't even allowed to get bank accounts with our own names on it till what, the 80s? So yeah. we live in a behind. world... Yeah, I mean, that's just... We are the first generation of women born... Mm -hmm. After we were given, you know, most of the privileges that were allowed. But there's like, you know, I, isn't there still um, clubs and golf courses that we're not allowed to go to? I mean, we oh, just yeah. all still live in that world. Mm -hmm. So, And there's a lot of like, um, like nonprofit meetings where like a lot of men will congregate and yeah. make decisions for nonprofits. I mean, I know that, but. Yeah. Well, let's, let's put it into our own perspective. I mean, yeah. me and you were both. Uh, supervisors for CPS and this one always gets to me. So when CPS or social work arenas and jobs, mm -hmm. who do we work with? Who are social workers? It's mostly Steve. females. Mostly women. And that's not to say one way or the other, but re this, the data is it's mm -hmm. mostly women. Do you know realist? I don't know the statistics, but can you give information on your experience of who are in supervisor or in power leadership roles that are women or that are men at social work jobs or cps for our specific experience okay, do you think my, it transfers my specific experience has been there hasn't been a time that men were were prompted to promote like i've mm -hmm. i've worked with a lot of men in general um actually not a lot of men but like the men i did work with in the field um they were encouraged to promote more than women were and I thought that was really interesting, but I had a, had that experience several years ago, you know, and the most supervisory roles right now are women with that sprinkle of men in there. Well, yeah. And I think it's sprinkle is a good word because if you're talking to a, you know, leadership, like for us, the group that we were a part of, um, I believe that there were two men as supervisors, mm, but yes. when a supervisor team is like, what, seven? That's a higher statistic, that, and that doesn't accurately reflect of the men that worked in the office. There mm -hmm. were two male supervisors and potentially, what, three or four men who worked in the office. Yeah. So, for one, that's just another example of imposter syndrome. 
as a worker, I could be good and I was, you know, doing what I did. But when it came to being a supervisor, like there was just, there's just a vibe. Mm. Men are leaders or at least like their, their behavior is seen as leadership. Uh, you know, something I do, I might seem kind of bitchy or bossy if I'm a worker mm. trying to like delegate certain things and try and take charge. Whereas a man does that. Oh, that's just a natural leader. Oh, and then when you start peeling apart the layers, like what did they really do versus what I did as a supervisor? And it was significantly different. And then I still feel like I wasn't good enough for that position. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So I think for me, for most of America, I feel like it's just a foundational issue of where women feel imposter syndrome. But it's also, you know, we live in a world that was founded and built by white men for white men. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just kind of is how it is. And so it's, you know, constantly having to fight that and go against it and try your best. And so when you're an outsider trying to be t- trying to receive opportunities, that's just what happens. Mm, I like how you said that. Like you're an outsider trying to receive opportunities, even though you're qualified for certain positions and in different organizations, that doesn't mean that they're going to want you. And when they don't want you, you feel that imposter syndrome all over again, because it's like, well, I thought I was good enough. I thought I had all these credentials. I thought I had all this experience, but it's not good enough for them. Yeah. And well, I think a lot of it has just kind of an entitlement thing, because I've heard it before, like, and I've heard it from, you know, white dudes I've worked with, when they've said, like, well, they gave that job to her. Mm. Or, you know, like someone took my job. I think it's interesting verbiage immediately because it's like, why do you why do you feel entitled to it? It's not yours. Mm-hmm. Someone took your job. Well, no. Well, you didn't hold on to it tight enough, my dude, because if someone could take it. Um, but that's that's just kind of how, you know, my exposure. What has um, your experience been like with your own personal imposter syndrome? Fuck, bitch. (laughs) All my life, I had to fight. (laughs) Okay. No, no. Um, It's constant. It's constant. And you know what? Honestly, it's. I think it's probably does go way back to, I even said in the beginning of this, um, I didn't go to real school till sixth grade. I have a master's degree now, and I still will refer to the first time I went to public school as real school. So I think Mm. for me, it kind of started just like when I was just a kid because of how adults would talk to me or how other kids would talk to me just about how I went to school Mm -hmm. um and I was really smart when the first I was really smart listen to that um when I first went to real school which is still just a habit I'll just probably always call it that um I got tested in California and got offered to go into the gate program like with once I got into school Mm -hmm. because by I mean my mom was obsessed with my education when I was a kid I could Mm. read and write way too soon, write and curse of all of that. But it was the way that other people spoke to me about, you know, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. or that like, oh, that explains it kind of vibe. You know, people think that you're homeschooled because one, either your parents are like weirdly religious Mm. or two. You're getting beat up, I guess. I don't know. That's a lot of CPS workers think that like, oh, if you're being homeschooled, uh oh. Red Uh-oh. flag. Red flag. Um, my that parents just moved a it. lot. Yeah. My parents, actually, I don't really understand. I still don't really know the real reason I got homeschooled when I was a kid. 
there's a lot of theories I have. I'm just like thinking. There's a lot of theories I have. Um, but the reality is I was homeschooled for a long time. Um, but it was great. I yeah. learned how to sew and a bunch of shit. My mom was the best at it. Oh, my gosh. She uh, was prepping you for doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> so your she mom wasn't make your own first aid kit. <laughs> that sounds crazy. She was not. But like... <laughs> I just learned how to do everything. I was, I learned how to, I didn't have, we were back then when I was that little, we were broke. And so I didn't, we didn't have computers or nothing. And I think my mom had this old ass typewriter, learn how to type on a typewriter. My gosh. That's like Stephen King stuff right there. I did the whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) So I had to write letters to my grandparents. I had to read the newspaper every day. Um, We went to museums and stuff for like field trips. Oh, that's actually kind of cool. Play the piano. Like. Oh, school was all school was a lifestyle. I was just in school all the time. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting now. Like I remember the first time I got on a real computer at at real school, and they said something about double spaced. And you're like, "What is that?" I thought you want me to scoot over for somebody. (laughs) Imposter syndrome. I was too afraid to ask questions because I didn't want to be seen as stupid, and so I didn't ask anything. And I was like, "I don't know what the fuck." Double spaces, so that was type of word, space, space, type of word, <laughs> oh space, God. space. Yep, God, that was horrible. That was horrible. Oh my gosh, well, I remember you had getting to into high school pretty fast. Fuck, I remember getting into high school and not knowing what a chapter outline was. That was a first experience, too. I didn't know, I didn't know about that till ninth grade. A history teacher in class was like, All right, everybody, do outline the chapter. Oh, wow, what does that mean? Like, I was looking around, like, What's everybody doing? <laughs> Um, but oh you know gosh. that type of like fear of i don't know fear of embarrassment or just fear of not knowing what you're doing is that like a characteristic of imposter syndrome is like that those things too somewhat so in the 70s there's two phds ladies the girlies of course mm. suzanne i'm not gonna say this name right imez i think and pauline clance mm-hmm uh, they were the first two who like identified supposedly, or at least it's documented that they were the first to identify what they believed was imposter, imposter syndrome. It's interesting because it's not in the DSM, but we say it and we talk about it like mm. it is, but it's not. And it's not even like the symptomology really isn't even in there. If anything, it's probably described as like generalized anxiety. Oh, okay. Um, but there, with that, with imposter syndrome, they also talked about an imposter cycle. Which is, yes, and two characteristics of that, which I felt deep in my soul when I read this, (laughs) was over-preparation and procrastination. Oh, those are like two super damaging things all at once. (laughs) That's, if I could describe myself in two words, it is those two fucking words, man. (laughs) Over-preparation. Like, let me just go into it. Okay. Yesterday, last night, I was up till two in the morning. I don't, folks, I'm tired as fuck today. Um, but I had to write a paper Jeez. that was due last night. So I had to, so I wrote this nine, 10 page paper yesterday. Did I have all of the research done for this and everything totally prepared for yes. like weeks? Fuck yeah, I did. Did I not write the paper till the day that it was due? Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's hard. Yeah. But it's stupid. The groundwork was done. Just the, the over preparation, absolutely. The over preparation, it was that. I can see that being a really dangerous cycle. But you That's know what? When I we worked together, life-ish. when we worked together, that was a lot of what we did. Like we kind of balanced each other out in so- certain ways. Thank God. 
Like you would always have the research done. You're ready to prep. I would type everything out like mm-hmm. five days ahead of time because I couldn't have that kind of anxiety. My gosh. Yeah, you are. Yeah. It's interesting because like procrastination, I'll wait to do a paper. But if like I'm always early to everything, so I don't really understand what my procrastination like I can't even adequately define it within my own life. It comes at random times. It's, it's not even weird. for everything. Yeah. And the procrastination and overprepping is also somewhat of an ADHD thing, which your girl mm. has. So it's it's dang. Are you okay? No, seems like you got a lot. Got a lot going, going on. on, man. Uh, so what are some other symptoms in the cycle? I wanna know more. Oh yeah, you want oh, perfectionism. Okay. But it's also because what does perfectionism mean to you? Perfectionism is like it's not in comparison to everyone else, but it has to be good for me. Like I have to be able to be okay walking away from a project saying like I did the best that I could and it looks great. And, you know, but for other people could be like redoing the project 17 times until it looks perfect. Yeah. So this, you know, the Emez and Clance definition of within the imposter cycle is basically self-sacrificing to the point of being perfect so yeah you know all those times i would agree to do all that (laughs) shit when i would like hurt my like you know stay late at the office oh what do you need i'll have it done by tomorrow or you know like that Mm -hmm. that total like almost self-sabotaging yourself putting yourself to get something perfect yeah and your (laughs) idea of perfect is much higher than everybody else's Ooh. And then there's superheroism, okay, which again, that. needing to be the best, but not just the best, better than everyone else, but not in like a shitty way. You know, like, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But you want to feel some sort of self-confidence. And with mm-hmm. getting that, you feel better than everybody else, but not comparing yourself to everyone else. I think I get what you're saying. Yeah, because you like still, cause of, because of the imposter cycle, you still feel like worse than everyone else, but you have to do, and it's, um. I mean, I've heard this expression a lot. You have to be uh, twice as good. As everybody else. Yeah, to be seen as like half. Because they'll say half as good. So you have to try twice as hard to be half as good. Um, This one, give me a second. I got to remember how to say the word. I'm going to say it right. Are you ready? You ready? Because I'm ready. Good. You get one time. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Shh. Sh- Okay. A ticky phobia. Boom. Ooh. Fear of failure. Oh. Oh. Oh, you felt that one, didn't you? <laughs> I felt yeah, it. You okay? It was pretty deep. Yeah. It was pretty deep. Um, yeah, I think I struggle with that all the time. And like when For you sure. get rejections from like jobs and stuff like that, you feel it even deeper because you're like, oh man, do I even have a master's degree? Do I even have any experience? Dude, I'm so glad you said that because the reality of the worst part of imposter syndrome is when you do not necessarily fail, but don't obtain what you were wanting. And that just like cements that idea. Like I fucking knew I wasn't good enough for this. Why did I even try? Yeah. They can see me. Why do I think I deserve this? I don't. And half the time Mm -hmm. it'll stop you from applying for those jobs that you want for seeking leadership because you just get in your head and you're like, I'm not good as everybody else. Total transparency. I feel like I'm there right now. Just like trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because I have Mm -hmm. all these things that I want to do 
And then I have these things where I've been applying and I'm like, oh, I totally meet those qualifications. But then when they choose somebody else and you're like, oh, what's wrong with me? Uh, And then all of a sudden you start internalizing everything and you're like, oh, did I not do my application right? Did I not put enough on my resume? Did I bomb that interview? Like, what was it that I did? And truthfully, maybe it just wasn't anything that you did. They wanted to hire somebody that they knew or some sort of something else. But if you don't have answers or you don't have feedback, you get set in these thought traps where you just Mm. keep spiraling out of control. And that does cement the imposter syndrome in people. I think a lot of people struggle with that. It doesn't even have to be in the social work world, but... I think people in general just constantly feel not good enough. Yeah, I think. Agreed. Agreed. When it used to come to me, like when it was job specifically, and especially when you have to go up against people that you know, uh, like not that uh, or we may have been in competition with each other before. If we were, I was never aware. <laughs> um, but I know like we tried four things at the same time, but they were multiple opportunities. So in yeah. my mind, we were in competition together. But even that, because I have been put in that with other people before, like you're both applying for one specific job or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I never saw it really as competing with others. I always envisioned it like, well, if I didn't get it, it's because I wasn't good enough. Like mm-hmm. it was, it's always a competition within myself. And I don't really, it's weird because I don't really think about other people are good or better than me. It's I'm not as good as others. Yeah. Exactly. That's where I go immediately. Like, I'm not good enough. I need to do more now. Yes. And so I go through this cycle, the imposter syndrome cycle, where I'm like, okay, well, well, now I need to do more. So I didn't get this job. What do I need to do? Oh, I need more certificates. I need more training. I need more. All of it. Yeah. uh, Schooling. I need more this because more is always the first thought. It's never, yeah. it's okay. What else? What else? No, wait, yeah. wait. Because sometimes what you said earlier, like, I mean, if I'd worked with somebody, if I was hiring and I'd, you know, we've talked about this on a previous episode. If you worked with someone before mm-hmm. and you knew like, oh, that's who I want. I've worked with them. I know them. They have the experience, you know, whatever. You have that, you know, knowledge of how they work. I'm going to hire this person that I know is good versus someone on paper who has qualification. I don't know no shit about them. I'm going to exactly. hire someone I know. Exactly. So it's, oh, heavy. And I think that um, talks us out of a lot of jobs, too. For sure. Absolutely. Well, because once you fail, I'm not trying again. No thanks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Um, another one is, another symptom is denial of competence, which. What we just talked about. Imposter syndrome, exactly. <laughs> it's just, you deny uh, how good you are. Or just mm-hmm. deny that you're even qualified. It doesn't even matter if you're good or not. Just denial right. of. You know, I was given that job. I was lucky to graduate. I, you know, all those things. Oh, mm-hmm. I only really got that job because I happened to do good in the interview that day. You know, like it's right. all, you kind of chalk it up to luck, I guess. I um, recently um, applied for a job that I just had a wild hair about. And I'm like, oh, maybe if I, I get it, I get expression. it. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. If I don't, that's also cool. cool. So I applied and I, I didn't get it. And my first thought was, what do I do? I have the credentials for this position. And I had to go back and like filter through like, okay, well, I definitely have done all those things. It's almost like everything you've done just slowly starts disappearing in your mind. Mm. And you're like, oh, well, I'm just a person and I just work here. And like you, you take your identity and start 
deteriorating your own self when yeah. you get into situations like imposter syndrome. Yeah. Because then you you start saying, well, there's always, like you said, there's always someone better than you. Yeah, just constantly fighting the inner battle of, with yourself, which is tough. And then I am such a self-doubter and like always trying to explain away my own thoughts and feelings mm. that even when I don't get something, if I get bummed out about it, there's still a part of me that's like, uh, bitch, why did you think you even deserved that? And mm. then I start getting into this whole like ego trip on like, why am I upset about it? Good for them. Clearly I didn't deserve it or oh. I hadn't earned it. So mm. why would I be disappointed? They're obviously going to be better at it than I am. It was not my opportunity. and Because I think a part of it, you start to feel like, well, why didn't I get that job? Mm -hmm. Or why didn't I get accepted into that program? Yeah. And then, but then I start to feel guilty about it. I was like, why did I think I deserved it? Mm. Why do I feel entitled to it? <laughs> so then I'm talking myself yeah. down too. Like, why, why do I think I'm some, you know, mediocre white man that deserves this? <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Uh, yeah. The last one that I found of another symptom. Let me try again. Achievemophobia. <laughs> Uh, that sounds pretty self-explanatory. You're afraid of fear achieving? Of success, yeah. Fear of success. Um, but the issue with it of, I, oh man, I hope I pronounced that word right. It's achieve and then M-E, phobia. So it's not achieve me phobia because that's silly. Oh, it's okay. got to be achieve me phobia. Me phobia. Uh, I got yeah. it. I need my hooked on phonics a little bit more. <laughs> um, I hope I phonetically pronounced that right. Um so that's how I got taught to read. Just a little plug for that program that probably doesn't exist anymore. Ooh. That's how I learned how to read when I was Everybody five. Everybody knows Hooked what that phonics. is. And if you okay. don't, you're probably Every too young. knows what that is. <laughs> you're probably too young for this podcast. <laughs> All right, oh, my so, gosh. Um, that is obviously you have a fear of success, but the issue is even when you do succeed, you then adjust your expectations and make them even higher. So that truly – you never succeed. There's always something more that you're wanting. Oh my wanting. gosh, I'm doing that oh. right now. Dude, same. Ugh. Which I, there, with, with life, there's yeah. healthy balances. Because of course, you adjust your expectations because, mm -hmm. you know, nobody ever just wants to get, what's that word? Like, uh, stagnant. Stagnant. Ah, yeah. 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 Nobody wants to get stagnant in their life. So yeah, you'll, you know, adjust your expects, but, um, when you're constantly doing it in a sense mm -hmm. of like, oh, okay, I got this, but really, I, I want more. You yeah, got to do more. You got to be got, more. I have to do more. I have to go back to school. I have to. So I think it's it just depends on how you're feeling it. Because some people do get that genuine like, I want to learn more. I want to do more. I want to be better. Yeah. And in the intention is good. Yeah, the intention yeah. is good. But if you're like, okay, well, now I'm, you know, a supervisor. What do I do now? Like it's not, you're not even experiencing it. I remember one time I turned down um, a promotion because they, I told them that I didn't really get to experience the job that I was in because I just got hired for that one. And they were like, I have never heard anyone turn down a promotion. And I said, well, how am I ever going to be a good leader if I can't even do the job I'm doing now? Dude, I love that you're saying this right now. Thank you. Because I agree completely. When you meet people who, like, get hired and day two, they're like, yeah, I want to be a supervisor. Mm -hmm. Supervise what, bitch? You don't yeah. even know what this job is. Like, 
Supervisor step first. First, uh, first, (laughs) that part. I want to be the best at my job. Yeah. And then I hope I can be good enough to train and teach other people to do their job. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not going to get super into it because I don't want to get pissed, but I had an eval the other day. Mm. And um, I think a good evaluation is when every single category is exceeds expectations because, of course, I think that. <laughs> so if you meet standards, that's a shitty-ass eval, in my opinion. I don't want that eval, mm-hmm. even though that actually is a good eval. But <laughs> I want it all to say exceeds expectations. Well, not exactly. enough of my category said that in my brain. So, mm. you know. Low key pissed, but but really mad at myself. Like I'm not mad at my supervisor. Like why don't they see what I do? I'm mad yeah. at myself. Like what do I need to do to exceed expectations? So, but it reminds me of um, my very first supervisor when I was 16, and I my first eval trigger again mm. tells me um, the whole thing is basically meets expectations, and I have the conversation like, what do I gotta do to exceed expectations? <laughs> like mm-hmm. I want threes on my eval, and he told me. That to exceed expectations means that not only do you come in and do your job better than everybody else, but you do your job better than everyone else and you show other people to do their job better. And I never have to ask you to do anything. Oh, mm. tell, tell me twice. That just changed me forever. Like I just from, wow, that's from then good on, advice. 16 years, right? 16 years old. Boom. All right. Watch it. It was a kind wow. of bet situation for me. It changed me forever. I got something before we're done, though. Okay. Um, so we'll keep going for a second. But I want to do a little testy test with you because I found um, I found no. a, a test. A, uh, a test? Uh, what is a testing? A, imposter syndrome? test imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to do the test. You're going to answer the questions, Ash. Oh. And then we can keep talking as, I cal- as we calculate the results. Okay. It just takes like a couple minutes. Okay. Okay. So I feel under pressure. I hope I pass. No, don't feel under pressure. No. Okay. But give me a sec. Keep going. Keep talking. As oh I'm my gosh. Up. I can't even <laughs> tell you how many times I've felt imposter syndrome. And I'm sure all the social workers and clinicians that are listening to this podcast right now probably have felt or mm. are feeling the same exact thing that we do. And it's yeah. not that it escapes anybody. Once you get higher in the positions or anything like that or do something different with your life, it doesn't go away. No, not at all. Here we are still struggling with it, you know. Oh, bringing it up <laughs> on the pod. No, no, we're fine. We're fine. This is fine. Please send help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No. I can't. I'm not going to bring it up, but I have that that little dog with the fire. This is fine. Oh yeah, you know what yeah. I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I have that on my uh, my uh, sticker on my computer. <laughs> it's suitable. It should be there. It is okay. Okay, Ash, you ready? Imposter ready. syndrome test. All right. So there's one through five. Okay. Strongly agree is one, mm-hmm. and then agree three is somewhat somewhat agree slash disagree. It's the neutral one. Four is disagree. Five is strongly disagree. Okay. So those are the things, okay? I feel okay. like I don't deserve any of the success I've attained. One through five, where are you at? Um, I would say I would like a four. I would, I would somewhat disagree with that. Okay. Even if people praise my skills, I still don't think I am as accomplished as they think I am. Oh, I, I definitely agree with that. I may get rewards for my hard work, but I don't feel I have earned them. Mm. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, so that's two. Okay. Yeah. 
I am afraid that people will soon realize I am not as smart as I make myself out to be. Mm, I would say I'm neutral on that one. Most of the accomplishments I have were just a fluke. Oh, I would disagree with that. I find it difficult to accept compliments. Oh, I would agree with that. I downplay my achievements because I don't think they are as amazing as people think they are. Oh, I strongly agree with that. Okay. Give me some. Give me a minute. Keep it's going. Calculate. Ca- well, I gotta to, like answer a bunch of other shit. To be vulnerable in that kind of <laughs> in that kind of. I know. Are you all right? Like, I was okay, thinking. I'm, okay. I'm gonna share. I'll share. I took it last night, so I'm Ooh, gonna share. Mine share your results. Okay. With, yeah. I'll share mine after I after first of all after I get yours. Be so fucking. I'm so I'm not gonna be alone out here with my <sighs> vulnerability. Have you ever been in a position where you felt like you were too good for the position? Like you've outgrown the position, and this is kind of like, uh, I don't want to like. I want to put my I, skills to use somewhere else. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, which makes me sound like I'm in imposter syndrome fraud. But um, it was my first job out of grad school. Uh, I had mm. just gotten obviously a master's of social work degree, thinking I'm big shit because I just got a master's and I'm gonna go save the world, be a comic book mm-hmm. hero, you know. And the first job offer I got, I was like, hell yeah, job. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically, well, I think it was just because in the flyover state I was living in where I graduated, it was, you know, kind of poor and mm. resources don't pay very well. Mm-hmm. So my first job was 20, I think it was like $25,000 a year, which mm. sounds like nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, with a master's, I was thinking like I was going to make all the money, you know, but yeah. of course I missed, I forgot that day in social work program where we took the oath of poverty. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I was basically, I was called a community assistant and uh-huh. I would go to, I worked for a mental health place and I would basically like drive people around, take them to their doctor's appointments. Oh. Um, and, but I build Medi-Cal for my services mm. or not Medi-Cal. That's California, whatever it is, government insurance in that state that I was in. Um, but it was a community support assistant is what it was called. Oh, and okay. we had to make like a treatment plan. So like part of that was social worky, but mm. the people I was working with and their degrees and um, education, we were just on very different levels and in my head. So I only worked there for like three months mm. um, until I found a better job. I found a job that was like more appropriate. Yeah, for, for the degree that you went to school my degree, yeah. But I think it was just that first, you know, it was my first mm-hmm. job offer, and so I took it. Hell yeah! But mm-hmm. after working there was the first that after working there just a few weeks, suddenly I had this realization of like, oh, I'm actually mm-hmm. like overqualified for this job. Cool, but you not in like a douche way. There's a there's a TV show that if anyone ever wants to kind of see what imposter syndrome looks like, mm-hmm. um, it's called Good Trouble, and it's on Hulu, and it's like based off a show with like some of the same characters as um as the fosters where they're like it's a foster family blah 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 two of the sisters went and did another show called good trouble um where they kind of continued on with the line but one of the main characters um is a female in tech and cybersecurity and stuff like that. So she goes into this tech world and it's males. She's the only like one of the few females and she deals with this issue the entire season. Mm -hmm. 
on top of anxiety and depression, I mean, there's a lot of things in the show that are really good for like people who are trying to learn. But if you ever want to see what imposter syndrome looks like, Love there's the a plug. plug. Love okay, it. what are All my right, results? You're ready. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Tell me how bad I am. 61% of an imposter. No, I think oh. it, the lower that you get, yeah. So, like, the lower that you get is a better is t- is a better score. So, what it says is, you may take pride in some of your achievements, but still struggle to take full ownership of them. Sometimes, in spite of all that you have accomplished and the effort you put into achieving it, you feel like a bit of an imposter. As a result, you may attribute some of your success to factors beyond your control and therefore feel like you haven't entirely earned the respect and praise that you were given. You want to believe that you are worthy of success, but you can't fully convince yourself. Oh, dang. Did they just describe me? Yes, they did. Okay, well, I'm going to have to digest that for the rest of the day. (laughs) So I got a 76. Um, <laughs> you know what's funny is even on one of my answers when I was like, oh, disagree. Even that I was like, well, do I disagree? And then yeah, so I was like, oh, I, was, I was feeling imposter syndrome while taking the imposter syndrome <laughs> quiz, man. So mine says, no matter what you manage to accomplish, you are unable to enjoy your success. Oh, Right out the gate, they hit me with it. You see yourself as an imposter and fear that eventually, especially if you make a mistake or fail, people will discover that you are actually incompetent. This could be related to a lack of confidence, a tendency to believe that success is due to factors you cannot control, like luck, or a fear that you will be unable to sustain it and thus lose people's respect. You find it difficult, if not impossible, to take ownership of your achievements and experience a great deal of self-doubt and self-denigration. Ouch. Dude. <laughs> um, you I read might that need to take a couple in the days morning. off. <laughs> I read that shit at 2 o'clock in the morning and I was like, I messed you up. Fucking going to bed now. <laughs> like, I was just like, literally? <laughs> well, that sounds a lot like me. Good night. <laughs> I know, like, all right. You didn't have to fucking yell it at me, God. <laughs> what I will say, though, before we end today, is through my research of imposter syndrome, I found a really good article from Harvard Business Review, someone named Kess, your Tara, I'm not going to say that last name correctly either, Kess E. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wrote an article called, You're Not an Imposter, You're Actually Pretty Amazing. Oh. And you know what? I just needed it. I needed it. <laughs> At two o'clock I think in the I need morning. to read it. I think so I need Kess, to read it. So, wherever you are, Thanks, I girl. appreciate you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap for today's episode of Imposter Syndrome. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap for today's topic. If you want to stay in the loop of anything new and exciting happening with this crazy duo, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Clinically Impressed. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to stay connected, stay hydrated, and always practice safe social work.